And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. It has been 39 days since Junior Office Dog tried to kill me. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker, coming to you from the super-secret underground bunker deep beneath World Headquarters. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Happy to have all of you with us. We are broadcasting live to YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, and Twitch. So if you are with us live, you can jump in the chat. If you're not with us live, uh, you can always leave a comment, send an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. We are also available as a podcast. This show is on a number of different podcast platforms, so you can check us out there. And if you do listen to us as a podcast, those of you in Germany and the UK and Russia and Chechia and Jordan and Israel, you can check out the live video every now and again because occasionally we have some pictures to look at. So uh, so there is that. Of course, we have the Discord server that's up and running that uh, we have some, some pretty lively conversations going on over there. So uh, join us for that as well. Okay, uh, yes, uh, we, uh, yesterday's video... With Cameron and Judah has been blowing up and a programming note. We've got two versions of that on YouTube. Uh, it doesn't look like we had any issues anywhere else, but apparently the YouTube live stream stuttered quite a bit. We had some comments on that one. So we uploaded a clean copy and both of them are now up over 200 views a piece. So they're they're doing quite well. You, you can watch either one. It's, it's the same show. Uh, but you can watch either one of them and uh, leave a comment on that as well. What, one of the things we were talking about was the Disney shareholders call and all of that. Today, however, we might touch on that briefly, but what we're going to be looking at today is all of the layoffs that have been going on in everywhere. Dan Danford joins us. He is the uh, CEO, founder of Family Investment Services here in Kansas City. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> well, fun to be here. Whatever it is, morning, afternoon, whatever. Well, and uh, yeah, I mentioned Disney. They're sitting right now at $99.69 a share. And I, I want to circle back to this one here in a little bit. But first of all, this, this, this is going to be a conversation that for some uh, might it might seem to be a little bit outside our wheelhouse. Now, we have our regular money talk editions. We have our, our conversations in and around business and finance and that kind of thing, usually connected to the entertainment industry. But I want to take a little bit different tack today because I think the impact of what we're talking about, I think the impact of all of these different layoffs is such that it's going to it's going to impact the entertainment industry. It's going to impact how uh, the movie studios continue forward, how the movie theaters continue moving forward. All all of the different things that we do for our entertainment is going to be impacted by the fact that people are losing their jobs and they're losing their discretionary income. And so that's that's what I want to take a look at today. And Dan's much more verse in this stuff than than i am in terms of 
running a business. I mean, I run a business, but it's just me. I don't. I don't have any employee problems, right? I don't. Ha- I don't have to worry There's about laying no, off. Hey, no hey, such hey, thing hey, as hey, hey, hey. no such thing as no employee problems. I hear. Just... I hear the kibitzing <laughs> over there. I mean, I do have. I do have volunteers. Nah, but you know, it. it's it's it is what it is. So anyway, all right. So anyway, <laughs> we had the financial disclaimer up there for a little bit. This is just a conversation between folks. Okay, we're not giving official. Investment advice, business advice, anything like that. Consult your tax attorney and your CPA and your accountant, all that good stuff. So, <clears throat> Dan, where do we start? <laughs> you know, uh, I think we should start by just uh, acknowledging uh, what a disruption a layoff is. Um, and I think that's really important. Uh, I read an interesting piece this morning from a fella who uh, works in Silicon Valley, and this particular fellow didn't know whether he was going to be losing his job or not. Uh, In fact, maybe not. But interestingly, he was pointing out a couple of things that hadn't really occurred to me. And one of those was the fair number of people who work for the tech companies in Silicon Valley are actually here on visas, (laughs) you know, and those visas depend on them continuing to work in the United States. Right. So, I mean, it, you just don't think about, I mean, we all know that if you lose a job, it's a disruption, but we don't think about it being a disruption to the point of you're going to have to leave the country. And there are people who face those kinds of issues when they lose their jobs. So, you know, it's really easy to talk about somebody cutting a thousand jobs or whatever And you just go on with it. Well, I think we should acknowledge first that if you're one of the thousands, it's 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 a huge deal. Yeah, it it really is important. So uh, I just don't want to minimize that as we talk about some of the uh, other issues that are important. Well, and and I had I'll admit I had not thought about that as, as well, but. On the flip side of that, how many of those people are just going to stay even if their visas run out? Well, because, that's a, diff- that's a mean, different issue. As, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing, especially in California, right? Well, and, you know, the other thing is, is even though we're talking about layoffs here, and, it's a, you know, it's a big issue, uh, many of the tech firms have announced uh, big layoffs. So, I mean, it's a very real issue. The truth is that nationwide, unemployment is still really low. And, you know, you can make an argument that most people who lose their job can probably find another job. may not be exactly what they were doing. It may not pay what they were getting paid. But there are also a number of people who are looking to fill jobs at the same time people are losing their jobs. Well, and and the the other side of that, however, Mm -hmm. is that, yeah, you can say that unemployment numbers are still okay relatively speaking, but how much of that is because we've stopped counting the people who have stopped looking for work? Well, I mean, I think that's important, but I also would, I mean, just say from an economic standpoint, it's the same standard that we've used for the last, you know, five decades. Yeah. So it is always not counted the people who quit looking for jobs. It but may that, be a larger does, number today than it was, yeah, but does, you would also say the at the same time. Doesn't that affect the percentage? Because if you have fewer people actually yeah. in the workforce in that pool and, okay, they're employed, maybe with part-time jobs, they're still employed, right. then that right. throws that number off. I mean, if you would count 
the overall number of people who are out of work who could work, that unemployment number just goes up by another 10 or 12 points, I think, right? Well, I, that's, I, I, don't, I can't tell you 12 points. I don't know. That's a lot. But I'll also tell you in the history of me, and I've been involved in investments and finance since, you know, the early 1980s, you know, uh, uh, an unemployment rate that's less than four is just unheard of. I mean, that, that just has not happened in the past. Yeah. So I do think there's some distortion. I'm not going to say that there isn't some distortion. Um, and maybe a three and a half percent rate today is comparable to a seven percent rate some other time. I don't know. All I'm saying is there seem to be a lot of people looking for workers who are having trouble filling them. And certainly among the lower paid jobs, no question yeah. about it, you know, restaurants and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying if you're an engineer for Amazon and you're looking for a job, you aren't going to go to McDonald's and go to work. I'm just saying that there are jobs out there for some people. Well, and it's funny you should mention both Amazon and McDonald's because you know, we've got this we've got this story from a while back. This was March 20th, Amazon laying off nine more not, another 9,000 uh, including Twitch. I think we've talked about this a little bit. But this this week, what happened there? Why did that do that? This week we've got McDonald's shutting its corporate offices. Yeah, I've never and, heard of that before. And layoff notices are going out. Now, McDonald's is a kind of a different animal because it's a franchise. Right. So what affects corporate may not necessarily affect the local McDonald's at the corner down there by where you live because each of these are independently owned. But how? I don't know how many McDonald's locations are actually owned by McDonald's Corporation, but for them to shut down the corporate office... That's, right. that's weird. And it's um, it's very weird to me to say, everybody stay home next week because we're going to let you know whether you have a job or not. Yeah. Uh, doesn't seem to be a, a very compassionate way to handle such things. But there may be more to it than, what the, than what's being reported. I just don't know. So when you got – and I think there's the, there's the whole thing about – you know, you go to the McDonald's. I've I've been I, I have not eaten at McDonald's for a long while, but occasionally I'll stop in there and grab a drink. But you know, a lot of them now are going with these digital kiosks where yes, you yes. you put your order in on tap the screen, whatever, and then you go pick it up at the thing. They're not needing as many people, and if they end up restructuring the the franchise operation to do this in all of the stores. Then so it, you're you're talking it, about a lot of people who are going to be out of work because they just got replaced by a robot. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, I'd say, you know, the kiosk is a re, is a response to their inability to hire people. <laughs> I mean, it's not the other way around. Right. So yes, I think what you're seeing. I mean, I've even seen now a few restaurants that are sending robots around to your table to take your order and oh, deliver wow. your food, which is odd. But at the same time, they say we can't hire people to work. So the robot or the kiosk is is a better way for us to provide the services we need. Yeah. And and I, you know, that's a real easy thing to talk about because we can see it. We've all played with the kiosk. We've all you know seen how that works. But I also think that to a uh, to some degree, that's playing out in all these technology companies. Um, yeah. 
you know, as technology advances, you're able to replace workers with technology. Okay. Right. Now, in my company, where we've seen that is in the past, we have upgraded technology not to get rid of employees, but because it might keep us from having to hire somebody later. Okay. And I think you're seeing some of that. My father was a was a first sergeant in the Air National Guard. That was his full-time job. And I learned uh, a couple of things from him that were really important. But he used to talk about, you know, uh, Parkinson's law. Work always expands to the number of people you have and the amount of time that you allow. So if I come in and I say, hey, listen, your deadline is I want this done by a month from now, and I'm going to give you 75 people to do it. 75 people will almost inevitably take the whole month to produce whatever that project was. Right. Even if it might have been produced in two weeks with 50 people. Okay. It will always expand. And I think that's, you know, in the past, we don't get recessions and booms like we used to. The old economic cycle used to be that manufacturers would produce goods when everything's going really great, they'd make more TVs and more everything. And then when things slowed down, they'd have this stock of inventory that had gotten ahead of what demand was. And that's what caused a recession was this, not just one, but thousands of manufacturers around the country would have gone into this boom and produced too much. And then we have a recession until it catches up. And those, those, economic cycles used to be real regular. I mean, if you go back in the first half of the 20th century, you know, three to four year cycle on that boom and bust on the inventory. We don't do that so much anymore because people do just in time inventory. In many cases, the product isn't even made until somebody orders it. So we don't get that as much as we used to, but we do get booms and busts. And I would argue that part of that is, um, is the number of employees. Yeah. You know, I remember after we first got into the pandemic and stuff, there were people posting Zoom posts about, you know, I went to work today and nobody's there. And, you know, I I got there at nine o'clock in the morning and then I went and ate breakfast. And then I came back to my office and did a 15 minute Zoom call. And then I went to lunch and then I took a nap. And I mean, it it was almost a joke. But the truth is they accumulated too many people for what their productivity was. Right. And I think what we're seeing now is the cutbacks in that, especially in the tech sector. sector. Well, how, how much of that you've got, you've got that, but how, how much also is it that in this, in this three years of house arrest, we got conditioned to just stay home and not work. And we, we don't, we don't do it. We, here's your, here's your bonus payout or your or your your stimulus check money and whatnot. And we're gonna we're gonna pay you not to work. You know, we'll extend our unemployment benefits. We'll add this thing to the other. And, and basically, pe- people not everywhere, but we got incentivized to stay home and not work. And now you've got people. Now you've got management and you've got owners that are sitting there complaining. We can't find anybody to work. Because nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to go out and get a job now. And I'm painting with a broad brush. Yeah. But it's like that, you say, is, is people, people can't find the workers. I went through a Sonic the other day, 
and there were two people working, and they had all of it was just the drive-through only. All of the pull-up, you know, all of the little drive-in slots were closed because they didn't have enough people to handle the load. It was just it was it's me and another guy, and that's it. And we're that's all we can do because they couldn't find anybody that wanted to work. And I think some of that cultural phenomenon is going to be with us forever. I think there is a, an issue where there there are people now who will not take those jobs under any circumstances. Oh, here's something. Okay, Miss, Mrs. Boss is sending me this. Uh, this is just, this is today. All right, let me pull this up here. This is Daily Wire. Majority of Walmart stores will be automated within the next three years. <laughs> I mean, well, now we've we've been we've also you know not just conditioned to stay home, but we've also been conditioned to work for these companies. I mean, self checkout. You know how yeah. much of that is you know it's it's this we're getting into this new habit, this new pattern of behavior that involves. Fewer workers doing work. I mean, there. How many? How many times will you walk into any kind of a store, at you know Home Depot, Walmart, wherever, uh, and all of the checkout lines are closed except maybe one. But all of these self checkout done things are done. Go do it yourself. In, in which case, I say, give me a ten percent discount if I got to do your job. I get it, but I also know, and this is not from my experience. I don't particularly like. She feels like she can check her stuff out faster and better by herself yeah. than she can standing there in a line. So, I mean, if seriously, if she goes to a store and they don't have self-checkout, she's she's upset about that. Now, I well, understand I the convenience a, lot of, factor. a lot of people have different ideas about stuff like that. But I'm just saying, you know, when you get to the point with automation, like like I ordered something from Amazon last night and it's being delivered today. Yeah. I mean, how does that work? Out of the thousands upon thousands of products they have, how can they have one sitting close enough to me that it can be delivered to my house yet this afternoon? Right. And I think we're seeing that in other places as well. And, and I think that's, you know, a lot of it is because of how automated their warehouses have become, how automated their delivery systems have become. I don't think it's a, I mean, whether it's Amazon or whether it's McDonald's or whether it's Sirius or whether it's Fox News, I think these these businesses have evolved to a point where they don't need as many people as they used to. For a long time, they carried it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things like you say, well, everybody's happy. We're making money. It's all good. Right. But then all of a sudden, when the prospect's slow... You look out ahead and you say, we aren't going to make the kind of advertising revenue next year that we did last year. Then you start saying, we're going to have to do something. Yeah. And it's absolutely what's happened with Disney and some of the others. Um, you know, they're just looking at a crystal ball and saying, we can't keep supporting this many people and making this much money. We have to make some adjustments. Right. Well, and Sirius is making adjustments, laying off 475 employees, 8% of the workforce. ABC News uh, executives getting fired as part of the the latest round of 7,000 Disney layoffs. And that includes Ike Perlmutter, 
from Marvel Entertainment, yeah. who basically who's who's come come to the Wall Street Journal and said, "I didn't get laid off. I got fired because I, I yeah. was aggressively pushing for us to cut costs and save money and make a profit." And that apparently did not go over well. I I read that you know Fox News is uh, is laying off ten percent of their workforce, and everybody knows that Fox it dominates the cable news news business. I mean CNBC, CNN, none of they they are not even close. Right. And yet they're still cutting ten percent of their workforce. So I would say it just about has to be automation, right? Right. Well, and you have layoffs here at the BBC, and you've got NPR. You have Warner Music, CNET, all of these, all of these companies. Roku cutting another two hundred jobs. Uh, you see what else here? You've got Disney laying off seven thousand, shutting off the the metaverse, the CW. All of these companies are sitting there saying, "Done." And I think what I would, um, and this is the uh, MBA background. Uh, but what I would say is that, you know, this can be happening and as big as a disruption as it is to the people who are being laid off, it could actually be businesses involved. Say that again. You cut out. You, you froze up. Lean, they're getting leaner and meaner because they don't have as many people to pay. Right. So what does that do, bottom line, to the prices of stuff because uh, we got uh, Dave in the chat mentioning Amazon prices have increased and two day delivery is item specific. Uh, so, so you have, you have those like you talk about that are right there handy. You can be next day delivered, but you're paying a premium for that. And that's not something that <clears throat> for the most, I mean, you do have somebody who goes out and makes the delivery, but how many of those people are actual Amazon employees versus contractors? Uh, you know, uh, they went a lot to contractors in the past. And yeah. I've seen where some of that's backfired a little bit, but I don't know what the percentages are. Yeah, because we, uh, we had a guy show up here for an Amazon delivery, and he was in a rider truck. <laughs> not not an Amazon truck. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's odd. But it it's consistent with what we've heard about them starting to use third party in well, order they use to the get post some office for some too. You yeah. know, that's that it's um it's so so interesting because you know, uh, delivery with Amazon is part of the value proposition. Yeah. So you would say for anybody, you know, value isn't just the cost, it's all the things that go along with it. And I suppose in some cases you are paying a premium to get it delivered to your home, but I'd also say that the people who are ordering it are valuing that as part of the package. So it, even though it may cost a little more, it may in fact still be a better deal. Um, it just depends what you know what you value as a consumer. And the other thing I'd say, you know, the old Pareto's law, you know, the eighty twenty rule applies to everything. And uh, I'm a big believer in this. And my guess is that, you know, Amazon, if it's not 80-20, say it's 70-30, whatever it is, but probably most of their profits come from 20 or 30% of their goods, yeah, right? Right. So that's where you put the emphasis. You know, you, 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 if, if people have to pay a premium price for the other 60 or 70%, 
so be it. That's not a big deal. Where they need to compete and add the most value is on that 20% where most of the value and most of the profits are. So moving forward, as as we come into this, let me adjust my chair here. So we've the 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 people who are in charge continue to deny that we're in a recession, and right. we see all of these layoffs, all of these all of these people losing their jobs. We still have supply chain issues. I I was in uh, I was in a Target the other day uh, picking up some stuff, and a number of shelves still empty uh, over in the pharmacy aisle, and with the the grocery stores every now and again you'll look and there's there's limited stock on certain items and some stuff where it's not even there you can find it at one store but not another why do you think the the current administration continues to deny we're in a recession i mean i mean it's obvious to everybody yeah. First of all, the recession, the definition of a recession from an economic standpoint is pretty precise. Yeah. So either in it or you aren't. And I think for whatever reason, they're still arguing that we aren't. We haven't had two bad uh, quarters in a row. But it's also important to note that even though we announce what that quarterly number is now, we could still revise it a month from now. So keeps freezing. But the other thing is, I think, you know, the uh, the ruling party always wants to look like they've got things. Go the economy's going gangbusters. Yeah. And, you know, with unemployment low, uh, the biggest bugaboo that these guys have had to deal with is inflation. Now, you know, that's still an issue. And like you say, there are, you know, a, there, there are a lot of layoffs and things. What we have to keep into perspective somehow is that even though these tech companies or Silicon Valley or the people we're talking about are in some cases laying off eight or 10,000 people, mm -hmm. you know, the United States is 330 million people and the workforce is 100 million people. So it's possible that you can have a recession in some segments of society and not in others. Right. And so uh, it's, it's a little surprising to me. I mean, you know, obviously we had a banking issue a couple of weeks ago. Um, and a few banks got hurt really badly, and those people are looking for jobs and all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, the other shoe hasn't fallen yet. We haven't seen other banks responding to that. So Funny you should mention that, Dan, because I think, I think that shoe, or at least one of those shoes, is about to drop in July. And I want to talk about that when we get back, because that's that's a good okay. place where we can do this. We'll we'll take a real quick break. Tell Google where to interrupt us and we will continue our conversation with Dan Danford on the other side of this. Stand by. Our transmitters are made from hand wavium. This is sci fi for me radio. Punch the demon face. Just punch <laughs> it. Yeah, I know it's got teeth. Punch it on the head. Like, they're always like, ah, ah, no, punch it. Like, there's a little girl whose life is in danger. Do something other than just yell. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. 
All right, back live from the bunker. Talking with Dan Danford. He is the CEO, founder of uh, Family Investment Services in Kansas City. And uh, we mentioned the, you know, the banking stuff. Let's talk about that for just a second, because there is rumor, and we're starting to see some, some chatter along these lines, that we're going to get central bank digital currency starting to roll out sometime in July. And you have a number of these banks that have collapsed, imploded. You have a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on with cryptocurrency. We, we talked with uh, Darcy Donovan last week about some of this and the, the 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 wild wild west aspects of it and you have uh, over on disclose.tv this article from uh, Wall Street Journal decentralized cryptocurrency markets threaten US national security treasury says according to the Department of Treasury they're saying you know, cryptocurrency is bad. Cryptocurrency, unregulated cryptocurrency, decentralized cryptocurrency is a threat to national security. They're laying the groundwork, it feels like, to a central bank digital currency, which some states, I know Florida is working on legislation to kind of counteract some of this. I think Texas is thinking about it, where they would, they would you know, uh, it put, it, put up legislation that says... Yeah, digital, you know, digital currency is all fine and well and good, but you're going to be required to honor uh, traditional currency as well. You know, the, the the dollar still needs to be legal tender instead of yeah. this. Are are we headed down a road where this is going to be something that is full of tears and gnashing of teeth? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, my sense is, um, you know, cryptocurrency has already made an impact. OK, um, there are people who love the uh, nature of, uh, you know, instantaneous transactions. That's number one. And number two, they like the nature of having a currency of sorts that is not tied to any particular country. So those things are very uh, appealing to at least a certain group of people. It's also true that um, even countries like the United States look out there and say, well, you know, there are some aspects of this that are pretty appealing. And one is the instantaneous uh, transactions. Right. I, so I think what we've seen is uh, the Treasury and the Federal Reserve have, have both been studying this for uh, a year or two now about the notion of introducing a digital U.S. dollar to augment the existing dollars. And I would not be surprised at all to see them roll some of that out as an experiment and see how it takes off. Anything I've seen says, you know, it, it is seen as, um, as uh, sort of an alternative to the cryptocurrencies, but backed by the United States. And, and so I don't see it as being a big threat at this point. I do think 
you know, it's interesting because it is in response to people using cryptocurrencies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So again, there's something out there that's appealing about that, that, that they look at and they say, well, maybe we ought to be doing some of that. Of course, it would be highly regulated in the United States. Okay. And I think there is some talk of bringing some of the regular cryptocurrencies into a higher level of regulation as well. And even among the crypto people, a certain level of regulation is desirable. It will hopefully take some of the Wild West out of that marketplace. Yeah. But what exactly it's going to evolve to, uh, I don't think we know yet. Well, um, it, I do it, think you've got. I mean, I, I mean, you've got episodes of different shows. I mean, the Orville did an episode right. on this. Black Mirror did an episode on this. Yep. We see what kind of things are going on in communist China with regard to the social media scores. We saw what happened last year in Canada with uh, with the truckers' protest and what they did with the banks there under their Emergency Powers Act or whatever. And there are a lot of people that are sitting there going, this is a very bad idea. Because if you've got something that's controlled by the government, if your currency is controlled by the government, not just not just printed by the government, not just in. I get it. It's kind of regulated. But, you know, it, we give it value because we say it has value. I mean, the dollar is not tied to anything intrinsic as far as gold or silver anymore. But so it's it's still that ethereal thing. But if the if if this digital currency comes into play, it is uh, the the potential for abuse on this is so troubling to me because we see what the end result is. We see what the goal is. We want to control your speech. We want to control your activity. We want to we'll, we'll determine based on your social media because they're already doing it in China. Based on your social media score, you will have access to this number of privileges and not these privileges. You want to travel? Delete that tweet. You want to get access to your bank account? Delete this off your social media. You want to do this? You got to do this. There are going to be all sorts of strings that get attached to this because we've already seen it happen in other countries. Yeah, but, but I would also say, and I'm not denying that there is an element of that, and I do think that we will have some sort of digital currency uh, to augment the U.S. dollar. But I'd also say there's a reason why the U.S. dollar is the staple industry for the whole world. I mean, despite all well, of America's problems, except, we are still the best choice out there. Except how many how many have just gotten off the dollar and gone to the yen? Or well, I mean, you, you we, had, still, we had a couple like, of two, three different reports this week of, of that happening. There's discussion of it. I think if you look at the at, at the actual numbers, now I heard uh, Dr. Kudlow talking about this, I think yesterday, and I can't you know, somebody needs to go look at the numbers and don't rely on me. But the United States is still by far the biggest and best in the in the world. We still I mean, you drop down to the next next um, stable currency is the euro. And then I think it's the yen. Yeah. And I think you have to go down the list a long ways to get to the yuan, which is China's. Right. And and and, you know, there there is no question. You know, Saudi Arabia, uh, Iran, uh, th there are places, Venezuela, you know, they they hate us. 
Okay, they 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 hate having to use the dollar because they hate us. The reason they have to use it is because it is still the most stable currency on the face of the earth. So if you have billions of dollars in 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 reserves because you've sold oil and things like that, you don't dare put it in some other currency yeah. because it may not hold its value as well. And and so I don't think there's a big danger of that changing. And I also don't think there's a big danger that dollars are going to be replaced with digital dollars. I think there will be digital dollars out there and they may be used for certain kinds of transactions and things. But it's going to be a while before you and I are carrying digital dollars in our electronic pocket. I just well, I, I mean, it, we're already we're already kind of doing that with debit cards. Of course. I mean, and, you know, and you credit get cards. But the yeah, other yeah. the other the other part of that though is how much the markets can be manipulated because look at what the, uh, you know Cam points out you know if the Fed if we want to rein in inflation let's change the interest rate you know if we want we want to make some sort of an impact with some quantitative easing or whatever let's print a bunch of more money you know, there's all of these different things to manipulate the markets. Who's to say that we couldn't that that digital currency wouldn't be vulnerable to the same kind of thing? And if it's digital, it can be hacked. And, and I know you and I have talked about this as far as the blockchain and all this goes. But at some point, somebody's going to figure out how to hack the blockchain. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's it's inevitable. They'll use blockchain to hack the blockchain. I mean, that, that's what's going on. Chat GPT will will hack the blockchainers. I mean, that's that's where this goes. Well, the and and you know the the FTX scandal is largely because you know the people in the Bahamas, Bahama boy and his his <laughs> colleagues were uh, were basically mixing their own money with everybody else's. Yeah. I mean, so, so you and I deposit some Bitcoins at their exchange or whatever. Well, they're using our money to make bets on what's going to happen next, right? Right. So that that's illegal manipulation, so it's not allowed. That's what people are in trouble for. It's what I think he'll probably go to prison for ultimately. But that's why it needs to be regulated. Okay. You can't regulate out everything. You absolutely cannot. There are people who spend their whole lives trying to figure out how they can hack anything. It's fun for them. Sure. And if they if they come out ahead, but, but you can regulate some of it out. It's kind of like the stock exchange in a way, you know, that we all know that there's junk that happens in the stock exchange that isn't right. But by and large, most people, most times it works about as it's supposed to work. Okay. So, there are excesses. There are people who get taken advantage of. There are crooks, but it's such volume, and most of the volume is okay. So let me ask you this: we've got a uh, we've got a question in the chat about how how recent and how in depth is your study of cryptocurrency just in general? Your your understanding because you understand this much more than I do. So but I took how a, recent is it? Yeah. Now, it, a year ago, a summer ago, I took a, 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 a 13 hour continuing education um, uh, packet on it. And uh, so at least at that point in time, I had a much better understanding than most people. Now, 
13 hours isn't all the time in the world. Right. It's just 13 hours of study that other people mostly hadn't done. It has continued to evolve, and I would not hold myself out to be a crypto expert. <laughs> I, I, I have a, a basic understanding. Yeah. All right, so there's a good place for us to throw that that uh, disclaimer yeah. up because we're just talking, folks. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where I I look at this and maybe I'm jaded, maybe I'm a little cynical, but well, I don't see this going well in the long run. I I, I just can't. don't. I don't argue with smart people. That's one of my rules. You know, I sit down and talk to people. People have more money than me. And, and, you know, they have opinions that are different than mine. Yeah. You know, I say, okay, then we're going to act on your opinion based on your opinion. We'll do the best we can, yeah. but I'm not going to argue with you. You know, I don't know for sure. Sure. And, and, and to be clear, I, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to pick a fight with Dan. Let's, let's no, no. You know, be, I get be that. Clear, but, but what, here's one of the things that I'm cynical about. And I get that, you know, I get your cynicism and your concerns. <laughs> They're valid. There are lots of reasons for that. Okay. Right. But I also, you know, I started, I said earlier, I started my career in 1983 in, in the trust department of a bank and I've been managing money and helping people with money ever since, you know, there has never been a day when the Wall Street Journal did not have stories about how the sky was falling every <laughs> single day. Right. Okay. Not it's not every story, but there is always somebody out there talking about this horror that might happen and this yeah. and that and the other. And you can always find reasons to do. In spite of all that, our system is pretty resilient. No. Okay. There are times when we get a little wild and crazy and a whole bunch of us make a stupid mistake and it shows up, but typically over time it corrects itself and we're back to the good. I remain optimistic about most of the investment things. I remain optimistic about, you know, some of these technology companies and stuff. It's easy to be cynical. It's yeah. easy to be cynical about Silicon Valley. On the other hand, they've created some terrific products that have made our lives better. There's no question about it. And they still have brains working on new products to make our lives better. Now, there's certainly some reasons to be concerned about it, and I wouldn't say otherwise. Yeah. But I'd say, in general, I remain pretty optimistic. So let me ask you this. So you talk about the, the doom and gloom headlines. I did see one a couple of days ago, I think, talking about how we were entering a bear market. Do you think we're in a bear market? Uh, no, I don't see much evidence of it now. I think last year, if you look, a uh, very unusual year where everything went down. And I think a lot of it had to do with the inflation and stuff. But whether you were in stocks, whether you were in bonds, whether you're in mutual funds, ETFs, crypto, everything went down. That is uncommon. Uh, usually when one thing is doing badly, something else is doing better. Mm -hmm. The first Part of this year has actually been pretty good for a lot of those markets, and um, I'm I remain fairly optimistic. I there was a quote many years ago um, by one of the guys, the guy that ran Fidelity Magellan, Peter Lynch. He said, "Anytime you're investing in the stock market, you ought to be prepared for a dip of 25 percent tomorrow." Yeah. You just ought to understand that that could happen at any point in time. Typically, it happens, it quickly recovers, and you move on, but everybody gets stuck on the, I lost 25% kind of thing. Well, I think 
you know, 25% is a fairly ordinary correction. The market makes up for it in the long run. I don't know. We could have some bad times ahead, but I don't see anything right now that makes me really concerned about the next six months or a year. All right. Good to know. All right. So we mentioned we mentioned Disney a little bit. (laughs) They had their shareholders meeting earlier this week. Right now, their stock is sitting at one hundred dollars and a cent. Okay. And you see here the five-day performance bouncing up and down and up and down and up and down. I mean, this the people this this thing can't decide where it's going to go. So let me ask you a hypothetical, Dan. And, and again, uh, to 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 be clear, we're not giving anybody any investment advice. I just want to ask because a hundred dollars a share that's that's not too terribly expensive. You can buy a few. And the shareholders basically taking Bob Iger to task this week. And you have all of this turmoil with letting go of Ike Perlmutter and Victoria Alonzo. There's a rumor that they might be looking at selling off Lucasfilm. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. With all of the complaints about Disney following an agenda-driven... Uh, model as opposed to an entertainment driven model you know Perlmutter is basically saying we need to cut our budgets you know we're spending too much we're not making any money we need to be focused on profit and entertaining people would this be a good time to buy Disney stock given their reputation hit give, I mean yeah it's it's relatively inexpensive but from a from an ethical moral standpoint or if you're just you know you're just on principle if if somebody's looking at this it, this might be a good opportunity to buy but at the same time I don't know that I want to put my money into Disney when they're doing stuff that I find questionable from the standpoint of of morals and ethics yeah and you know the the other part of that is there there are a bunch of people out there who love them because they're doing those moral and ethics things. <laughs> right. I mean I mean seriously there are yeah. people out there who love that they have this gender agenda and all this kind of stuff so I mean that kind of works out in the wash I would say that uh, the last couple of years have been really tough on Disney and one of the things that people have is what's called a recency bias and no matter what it is, we tend to look forward based on what's happened recently. Right. So I would think people are probably underestimating the value of Disney going forward. Now that, you know, I'm not looking at the numbers. I don't know what their quarterly results are or anything else. I'm just saying that in general, the stock price has probably overreacted on the downside. And if that's the case, then it's probably not a bad place to invest, given you're comfortable with what they're doing. I think they have remarkable long-term profits. They own some products and, and, and services that are theirs and theirs alone and nobody else can do it. And that has value going forward despite the political whims of the world. Yeah. Uh, my guess is, you know, 10 years from now, we may look back on this period of time with a smirk on our face, kind of like, my God, can you believe that stuff was going on back there? <laughs> I think it's political whims, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe the world will change permanently. I don't know. But if if it turns out that the Walt Disney Company and the Reedy Creek Improvement District colluded in some kind of an illegal fashion, 
what does that do to the stock? Well, well I, think, I mean, you if know, you, anytime, if you anytime there's bad news, it's it's bad for the stock price, and that yeah. would be bad. But I also know companies, especially companies the size of Disney, they pay penalties and stuff all the time, and they have a way of doing it. So, you know, so it, it, it's millions of dollars. Yeah. But we'll borrow the money and pay it off over whatever period of time, or we'll write it off this year and it'll be gone and. I don't think that changes the trajectory of the profits and the value of the brands that Disney owns. If you've got somebody like Bob Iger, who's right now currently CEO, and and his answers to the shareholders on Monday kind of give me a hint and make me suspect that he's still considering uh, a presidential run maybe in 24, maybe in 28, because he's only, what, 71 years old. He can still do it. He's yeah. got time. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I saw him uh, six months ago yeah. in Denver at a conference, and he still looks pretty robust and pretty vital. Yeah. I'll say that. But I, I also wonder if, you know, given Ike Perlmutter's ouster now and how angry he is over that, what are the chances he goes back to his buddy Nelson Peltz and maybe calls Bob Chapek, who's got to have a heck of an NDA right now? I'll tell you. I mean, I, we oh, were I'm talking. Sure. We were talking yesterday with Cameron and Judah. It's like you know, Chapek's sitting on a beach somewhere, drinking a drink, drinking a mai tai, and and enjoying the show. Right. But at some point, he's got to talk. And what are the chances that Perlmutter and Peltz uh, revive the proxy war and try to get because there was one proposal in the, in the shareholders meeting that was basically we want a vote of no confidence for the board and kick them all out. I, I don't think I don't think they'll give up now. I don't know that they'll prevail, but I don't think they'll give up. And uh, they'd even say, I, I mean, I'm not putting words in his mouth and I've not read anything about this for months, but he would say that some of the things that are happening today are happening because he made that run at them. Right. So these right. people who like him, who, you know, value corporate change and go in and try to turn things around well, you know, when it's done in a public fashion, some of the things that they want done get done whether they get elected or not. And my guess is we're seeing that at Disney right now. They are responding to some of his criticisms. Well, and Peltz even said, you know, when he withdrew the proxy thing, he said, all right, this this last this last quarterly report, they said some things, they're, do, they're making some decisions, we're okay with that. But he did have that caveat. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll Absolutely. Can, we'll keep Absolutely. watching. So They'll I would keep say, the pressure on is what yeah. they will do. So once the the next quarter, once the next quarterly report comes out, I would expect that maybe we might see some more activity from Mr. Peltz. Maybe. Yeah, I would not argue that. The one thing that uh, that probably the Disney board and everybody else is counting on is his advanced age. <laughs> at some at some point, he, he may lose his zeal for uh, for Disney. Yeah. But the Disney organization is probably better already for what he has done. And uh, if he continues to keep the pressure on him, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. It's probably good for shareholders. Well, and I was really surprised at just how aggressive 
the shareholder calls were. I mean, there were a couple of them in there that were just, you know, not, you know, nothing burger questions. <clears throat> and there were a couple of them that were, you know, fawning all over Iger for taking a stand and sticking it to DeSantis and all that. And and there was one that was a question of, you know, we should we should have all of your all of your all of your donations to to conservative politicians. We need to disclose all of that. And I'm like, well, I would be OK demanding that they disclose all of their political contributions. Absolutely, yes. I want to see everything. If I'm a shareholder, I want to see how this corporation that I own a piece of is spending my money. Right. And, you know, the dividend's coming back, so that's a good thing. But at the, at the same time, if, if Iger is angling for politics, his priority to me, it would seem to me, his priority is burnishing his reputation and saving his company to the point where he can then launch his political campaign. Look, I saved Disney. You know, I, I put Disney back in order, even though he's the one that broke it. You know, he put all of the people <laughs> now in place. Now, the, you, I now mean, you're talking politics. Man. Yeah, I mean. The interesting thing, of course, is, you know, I, I, I don't know. I assume he is, even if he's a liberal, I can I can, I, I consider he's probably in the medium someplace. Um, as, you know, more conservative than many of the liberals. My guess is other, he's got to be more centrist or he could, doesn't have a chance of being elected. I mean, that, that's just the truth. Well, we how, seen, does, how does beating up on DeSantis help his credentials? I mean, that yeah. to me, that's a little, Right now, DeSantis is probably one of the more popular conservatives out there. So it's pretty interesting to see him, you know, picking a fight with DeSantis and Florida, yeah. which is, you know, their chosen. So well, we'll, we'll not only that, that not only that, but you're talking about a legal battle with a lawyer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, DeSantis is not some, you know, chump off the onion onion farm. He's he's a lawyer. He's a, a military guy. Right. I, I don't see him. I don't see him making a misstep and oops, what do you mean we can't take control of this district? I, I'm sure he's got some contingencies in place. But for Iger to sit there and basically admit to what could be fraud, that that's, I mean, he stepped in a bear trap on Monday, I think. Well, we'll, we'll watch how it unfolds. You, we all know that... Um, you know, the, the indictments and the frauds and all those things, they, uh, <laughs> they they take a lot of headlines and stuff, but it's a different yeah. thing, actually proving it in a court of law and all that kind of stuff. And That's true. We're going to see uh, we're going to see a lot of this going forward. I mean, I, I just, you know, on both parties, um, I think it's going to be, you know, headlines for the next yeah. two years, no matter what. Well, and and on the park side, even. You know, you talk about Disney World and, and the impact that right. it has on Florida. Yeah. But you've got Universal nipping at their heels with all of the parks that they're about to open. I mean, you got yes. one going into Frisco, Texas. They're expanding the one in Las, in Las Vegas. They're looking at one in Europe to compete with Disneyland Paris. Yeah, and and here 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 comes Sony with the Nintendo Cinematic Universe. They're right behind them, and and we're getting the big uh, uh, Nintendo theme parks that are. I don't know if Universal is part of that or or what, but that could. I think it is. I think Universal is doing that with Nintendo, and Disney 
Disney could lose their crown very quickly. Ask anybody who's won a Super Bowl how easy it is to win a second Super Bowl. I mean, when you're on top, you have a target on your back. And there are a lot of very smart people who are trying to outmaneuver you all the time. That's a bucket of crabs. (laughs) right it's not easy that's what i would say yeah all right well we will leave it at that those of you who uh want to follow up uh with anything that uh that dan has said you can you can find him a couple of different places why don't you let people know where where people can find you dan yeah my my favorite place would be called ask dan danford uh it's a website where you can submit questions and i'll write answers um you can also family investment center is the name of my company and you can find that kansas city or saint joseph and uh you'll you'll be able to reach me through that if you want to and dan you've also got a youtube channel do you not do you do a lot I do, over there? uh yeah there's a number of different things that are posted on there most of them are historical because i haven't added a bunch lately but uh yeah you i'm, I'm out there yeah i'm not hard to find when you start typing on your uh on your keyboard and, and you know what we ought to do is we ought to put a uh, we ought to put a discussion thread a, a money financial discussion thread over on the Discord once you join the oh. Discord, Dan. Okay, Dan. Okay. Dan. Yes, yes, Jason. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here and uh, being a part of this. And like I said, you can uh, you can join us over on Discord. Continue the conversation over there. Uh, feel free to share this or any of the other videos. Go check out that conversation I had with Cameron and Judah yesterday. Uh, there's there's lots of different ways that you can see that. And uh, tonight we have a discussion of Star Wars, which is going to be one of those things where I'm not quite sure... We really want to do that, but at 8 o'clock tonight, uh, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, uh, we're jumping back into the Ranker Pit to talk about the latest couple of episodes of The Mandalorian. I think John Favreau lost a bet. All right, that's it tonight, uh, tonight. so join us then. Uh, we have all of these different social media channels and video channels where you can find us. Uh, the Discord, sign up for that as well, and connect with us. So whenever we do programming notes and announcements, you know the latest when we get that out. And we will have Open Line Friday tomorrow, so be ready with your thoughts and questions and calls, and we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting conversation, because I'm sure you all have thoughts. All right, that's it for today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you, and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 